1: at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.
3: Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Sunday on VSAN, the sports betting network.
4: Welcome back. Hour number two of Point Spread Sunday here on Veasan, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Mark Zina with you till 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, and we'll hand it over to the Lombardi Line right after this. But a huge day in sports: two game sevens in the NHL and two game sevens in the NBA to decide who will be in each of the respective conference finals and joining me now for the Eastern Conference matchup between Milwaukee and Boston from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It's Jim Ozarski here on Point Spread Sunday. Jim, good morning and welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, You are uh, in Beantown getting ready for Game 7. First question, are you surprised that this thing has gone 7?
3: No, not at all. It, uh, especially with I mean, even if Chris Middleton was was healthy, um, no, this felt like a seven game series from the moment the bracket was announced.
4: To that end, you know, Giannis has forty four and twenty in Game Six. Those are games that Milwaukee is not supposed to lose. Uh, Chris Middleton clearly, his loss and his effect of not being there is starting to you know get bigger over time in this series. How much do they miss Middleton?
3: Oh I mean it's 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 huge for them and it's a couple reasons one I mean look he's a three time all-star and in the NBA those those players if you have one it's rare not many teams have a multiple time all-star let alone you know the team like a the bucks they're big 3 now it's not traditional you know Drew Holiday has one all-star appearance many years ago but he's sort of that borderline type of guy. And when you build your roster that way, um, the the players down the line, so to speak, um, aren't of the same caliber. It's just much harder to replace that kind of guy. So there's that, like, on a talent level. But then offensively, I mean, the two-man game between Giannis and Chris Middleton, I mean, that's a decade in the making. I mean, the way they run pick and roll, the way they create space for one another is... I mean, it's a big deal uh, for both of them. It, it has created a lot of their offensive success. It opens up things for Drew Holiday and the other shooters because Chris Middleton has to be respected you know, from that 18-foot range. Um, he can make three-pointers. You know, He doesn't have to be standing alone in, in a corner. So, yeah, it, it has been a big loss for the Bucks in terms of trying to find offense, and it's been clear. I mean, you look at the points per game. For either team, it's um, when the Bucks lose, they don't score 100 points in this series, and they miss Chris Middleton with that.
4: So where does the secondary scoring have to come from after Giannis? Is it Drew Holiday? Is it Bobby Portis? Pat Connaughton? I mean, you know, who do they look to in a Game Seven where they know they need a bucket that's not Giannis?
3: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not going to change at this point. I mean, it's it is Drew Holiday's going to put up 25 shots. Well, you know, 22 to 30. <laughs> you know, Giannis is going to put up. 25 to 30. Um, it really, it's, it's that third or fourth guy, you know, and, and is it Portis, Brooke Lopez, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, you know, they need two of those four guys to give them 15 points, something like that to just sort of, uh, you know, add a little bit. I mean, if you look at the games they've lost, they really haven't gotten that sort of consistent scoring. I mean, some of those guys got double digits, but you know maybe it came a little bit later. And you look back at Game Six, you know Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown each had twenty one, twenty two points. You know Pat Connaughton had fourteen, Drew Holiday had seventeen. I mean, it, it, was it as simple as that? Um, I mean, Tatum and and Giannis were punch for punch, right? The, the other supporting players for each team had the same point total. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's going to come down to not just Drew Holiday and Giannis, but, yeah, which of those other four guys for the Bucs can score consistently this afternoon?
4: And you mentioned Jason Tatum, who you know has the game you want your star to have with your season on the line as he scores uh, 46 in game six. Do they do anything differently to defend him, or, do, or are the Bucs going to stay what they've done for six games?
3: Yeah, I think they stay – with with Wes Matthews primarily, you know, George Hill off the bench, maybe a little bit of Drew Holiday, depending on the matchup. Look, Jason Tatum made 14 contested shots. You know, I'm sure the Bucks are going to look at it. And, yeah, there's going to be a couple open ones. But, you know, it, it's, it's one of those where the math says, you know, he's not going to do that again. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to play the percentages to a degree. and say, look. Are they going to hit 17 to 23s again? Probably not. Is he going to make that many tough shots again? Probably not. So just kind of do what you do. Uh, That, that frankly, I mean, look, they've won three games and two on the road. Um, I, I don't think at this point you're sort of, you know, changing too much because you have had success.
4: Jim, when it comes to Al Horford, who has apparently turned back the clock to 2015. Uh, in keeping the ball. I I think he's been an underrated player for them, especially offensively in this series. Uh, Is this something like the Bucs didn't see coming? Because I certainly didn't see it coming.
3: (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there was a little bit of, look, I mean, his game four performance, you know, what a career high, first time he ever had 30 points in a a playoff game. Um, You know, I, I, I think maybe a little bit on the offensive end where he made so many threes. You know, they, they, it was a calculated decision on the Bucks' part. You know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown deserve all of the attention they get. Well, that's going to leave guys open. I mean, Grant Williams was that guy in game two. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where, if, well, if, if Grant Williams or Marcus Smart or Al Horford beat you, you kind of, you got to pick one, right? You don't want Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to combine for 80 points. So, yeah, I don't know if it's a surprise Al Horford is, a, is an all-star. You know, he was. <laughs> um, he, he has played really good defense. Um, so, yeah, I, but, you know, the fact that he was able to do what he did in game four, and you can clearly see these last two games, the Bucks have paid a little more attention to him on the offensive
4: end. <laughs> uh, with the Bucs getting five points, does that feel like a little bit of disrespect from odds makers? Uh, I mean, that's, you know, a significant number for a team with the best player on the planet to be getting in this spot here.
3: <laughs> I mean, if you, if you look at, I mean, I, I'm guessing that means that the Celtics are favored to win the game. And, and yeah. if you look at the games, the Celtics have won, the bucks haven't scored a hundred points. So I feel like it, it's probably in line with, well, if you think the Celtics are going to win the way those wins have gone what two of the three of the Bucks starters haven't even been on the court to finish those games? So uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I know those things are done for a reason, and if just from you know bird's eye view, that would probably be why they they picked that because again, two to three times the best player on the court hasn't been on the court when the Bucks have lost the game.
4: Yeah, if the Bucks are going to pull this off, that means they would have defeated the Celtics on the road or in Boston, rather, in Game 1, Game 5, and Game 7, uh, which is kind of like a cardinal sin in playoff Game 7 series, kind of deals to lose three home games in a series. But it also means, I guess, that uh, the Bucks lost three home games. So, you know, you make of that what you will. But still, I, I, I know Mike Budenholzer understands the task in front of him. But clearly, you know, it's going to be an, a raucous environment. Not that the Bucks are scared, but is important for them to you know, play with a lead early on and, and control the pace?
3: Uh, you know, on one hand, it, it, that makes a ton of sense. I'm sure they would love to come out and feel good and hit a bunch of shots. But this team, this year, their core, um, they've seen it and done it all. I mean, whether it be Game 5, where they're down 13-14, with ten minutes to go in regulation and still win, whether it be coming, you know, winning Game Seven on the road in Brooklyn last year, when Kevin Durant, you know, put on some alien-like performance in Game Seven, and they they weathered that. Um, you know, winning Game Five on the road in Phoenix in the NBA Finals, and so this group, yeah, I'm sure they would love to start and actually hit threes for the. One of the few times this series, but now I think even if they're down a dozen going into the fourth, they're still going to feel they can win the game because they literally have done it, not just in the recent history of meaning this series, <laughs> but, you know, back a year ago when they when they won a championship.
4: Uh, Jim, I, I say this with the highest level of respect. I know you're just a humble beat reporter, but if you had to wage your money on this game, uh, do, do you think the Bucs can actually win it?
3: I mean, yeah, I will make that clear. There's no uh there's no legalized sports gambling in the state of Wisconsin, but it's not that I do. Um, no, I mean I, I look my pick at the start of the series, and this was not thinking Chris Milton would be back, was the Bucks in seven. Um and honestly, that pick was deference to the championship medal. I mean to me right. you get to a game seven, it, it, it's kind of a coin flip, right? They're they're there's a reason each team has won three games. Boston had home court, but as you said in this, this conversation, I mean, Giannis is the best player. So, you know, just like in football, right? Who, who has the best quarterback? That's kind of the way you have to lean. <laughs> so yeah, I, I would, um, I guess if, if I was going that way, uh, I would take the points, um, because when the bucks win, it, it, it tends to be pretty close, but, uh, yeah, I, I did pick Bucks at seven, but I expected if that's going to happen, it's going to be a very close game.
4: He's Jim Ozarski of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, I say it always: enjoy Game Seven, right? Like, how can you not? But uh, best of luck to your Bucks, and certainly thank you for the time this morning. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, uh, Game Seven, Bucks Celtics, going to be a good one, say the least. And then we get Mavericks and Suns coming up later on tonight. Coming up next, uh, Week One. NFL schedule. Lines are out and wide. The NFL gave a big middle finger to the NBA. We'll discuss that next right here on Point Spread Sunday on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Here we go.
2: If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
5: This is Point Spread Sunday on v the sports betting
4: network. Welcome back. This segment of Point Spread Sunday is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn nicotine pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many, many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zin's America's number one nicotine pouch. It's available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zin. So head on over to ZYN.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's ZYN.com slash find. ZYN.com slash find. Welcome back in to Point Spread Sunday. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you guys starting your Sunday morning with us here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Give me a follow on Twitter at Mark Zeno, M A R K Z I N N O. Oh, Vinny Iyer, who covers the NFL for Sporting News, will join us as we uh, look down the NFL schedule uh, for week one coming up here in in just a few. Look at some of the games of of interest and of note. Before we get to that, though, one of the things that stood out to me the most was uh, the NFL schedule this year and what they did on Christmas Day. Uh, And this is the first time that the NFL, it's not the first time that they've had a game on Christmas Day. It's just the first time that they've put a slate of games on the NFL on Christmas Day, right? A couple of years—it maybe more than ten years now back—that they have uh, uh, they went to a uh, Thanksgiving nighttime game, right? So they put three games on at night on Thanksgiving. That usually was the holiday that was reserved by the NFL for you know where they dominate television from start to finish. Uh, you know, with Thanksgiving, it's it's easy. It's it's um, one of those things where. You know, it's not a holiday that involves a lot of massive participation. What what I mean by that is you sit around and eat all day long. So it's conducive to watching TV uh, as often as you can. Christmas is a little bit different for families. There's a lot of travel involved and this, that, and the other. And so I say all that to say that the Thanksgiving schedule this year isn't exactly all that exciting. Um, You get Buffalo at Detroit, which I don't know. For me, I always feel like Detroit is it's better when they play an NFC North team on Thanksgiving. But I get why Buffalo is there. Obviously, one of the best teams in the league. They'll draw a couple more eyeballs from what might be the lowest rated market, uh, either Buffalo or Green Bay or or New Orleans as far as market size is concerned. Um, But nonetheless, a small market that gets in there. uh, So they eliminate the small market and make it a national game. Dallas and New York, uh, Giants and and Cowboys, 4 o'clock game. Other than the fact that the Giants are awful uh, and, and not a very good team to watch, well, there's not much reason to watch that. And then the night game, you get New England and Minnesota. Like, yuck. Like, there's no other than Josh Allen, there's not a quarterback you want to watch on Thanksgiving. Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins don't really exactly light it up. Now, I'm a Kirk Cousins apologist uh, when it comes to his play and certainly backing him as a quarterback when he's um, against the number. But, you know, as far as likability and wanting to tune into the, who wants to watch the Patriots? What's the connection to Patriots and Minnesota? I say all that because when you look at the Christmas day slate, this is what gets really, really interesting to me. Green Bay at Miami at 1, Denver at the Rams at 4:30, Tampa Bay at Arizona at 8:20. Now, this is going directly head to head with the NBA. Now if I ask the average sports fan, name four teams, four or five teams that always play on Christmas Day in the NBA. Well, let's go over a couple of them. Um, or name four of the five biggest stars. In the NBA. Well. Again. You have Green Bay playing Miami. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Miami Heat. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Jimmy Butler. You take, you're, you're going head to head. With two of the biggest stars. In the league. And Jimmy Butler is now. Possibly playing. Um, he's playing in the Eastern Conference Finals. But possibly going to play in his second consecutive finals. The middle game. Denver at LA. You get Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford. The defending Super Bowl champs. The Nuggets, Nicole Jokic, the Lakers, LeBron James, two of the other teams that always seem to play on Christmas Day. And then finally at night, you get Tampa Bay and Arizona. Arizona, Kyler Murray against the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, you know, all that stuff. So, <laughs> uh, and Tom Brady against the world. Tom Brady always wins. It's just annoying, but it, it is what it is. Tell me how the NBA is going to respond to this schedule. Tell me what they're going to do. I mean, I suppose they could put Milwaukee in the five o'clock game, you know, once the Green Bay game is over. So fans in that market can switch from football right to basketball. But as I said, Christmas is not that conducive of a holiday to sitting in front of a TV for eight straight hours. It's just more difficult. Think about it. You know, it's just one of those holidays where you're always moving around with family. There's always something to do. uh, And it's not always centered around eating the way Thanksgiving is. You know, Thanksgiving is a holiday. You show up and the meal's the, the holiday's over. If you get there physically, you've done all the labor. <laughs> so Christmas is a little bit more involved. Uh, I, I suppose, again, you could put Nicole, you could put LeBron James against the Knicks at noon uh, and go up against Aaron Rodgers if you want, right? If you have the Lakers go play the Knicks at the Garden. I mean, I, what does the NBA do here? And, and their night games out on the West Coast, the only thing I'm surprised the NFL didn't do was put the 49ers against the Cardinals. So you take Golden State out of the way, right? Like that's the only other thing I'm really, really shocked at was that San Francisco, it wasn't San Fran and Arizona in that spot because I would have thought they would have taken the Golden State Warriors out of place. So the Golden State Warriors are definitely going to get a game on Christmas Day this year. That's not surprising anybody, but I'm saying it might be at night. It might be an A20 game, which again would start at 5 o'clock out on the West Coast. So I don't know what the NBA is going. I am so curious to see... What the NBA is going to do, but this was well thought out by the NFL and a big, you know what, uh, to the NBA. And I am—I would have loved to have seen the reaction on Adam Silver's face when he saw this Christmas Day schedule, because it—I it, mean, again, they could have put Baltimore on there, and they have Lamar Jackson. Like, look at all the teams. They could have put Cincinnati, the defending Super Bowl champs, on there. They could have put Kansas City. Does anybody play any basketball in Kansas City? Nope. They went directly for the jugular of the NBA and win at every major star that the NBA markets on Christmas Day uh, and put an NFL team right up against them. All the national teams, all the national brands that the NFL has, the Raiders, the Steelers, the Cowboys, right? They could have put all those teams on there. Nope. I mean, and so I'm curious whether, you know, I, I think maybe you get a team like the Atlanta Hawks on Christmas Day now definitively, uh, with Trey Young, um, you're probably going to get the 76ers uh, on Christmas Day. I mean, if I'm the NBA, I either got to put team like players like Giannis and LeBron on when the football team in their city, <clears throat> excuse me, is not playing, or I got to find the other big stars in the league and make them play. So clearly, Boston has a shot to play on Christmas Day in the NBA uh, because you know the Patriots. Where are they that week on Christmas Eve? They're home against Cincinnati. But the NBA has got to be really, really clever about how they're going to respond to this to make sure it's in their best interest because generally just more people watch the NFL than the NBA. If I'm not in the market where the game is being played, so uh, Christmas Day, I always watch the Knicks. I'm a New York kid, so it's what I would always do. But am I going to watch a bad Knicks team over Aaron Rodgers in Miami? No, not. I mean, you know, and, and, and that's the challenge for, you know, viewers and for the NBA. Uh I live in Atlanta. If it was the Knicks and LeBron James and Green Bay and Miami, I'm watching football. There's no reason for me to tune into a to a Knicks Lakers game when I can watch the NFL on Christmas Day. And that's the the rub for the NBA and what they're going to do. Um, And you know I mean, falls on a Sunday, I I don't know, does the NBA, the NBA is not going to walk away from Christmas Day, there's just no way. Um, ABC and ESPN have way too much invested in the NBA, but it's going to be fun, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, to say the least, so I'm excited. Thanksgiving, yuck, Christmas, going to be fun. But again, Thanksgiving, the NBA isn't on, so the NFL knows it's the only game in town. And oh, by the way, on Christmas, too, uh, you're not going to deal with a lot of college games. Usually there's a a couple of bowl games on here and there during that span. I'm sure that the the bowl committees will work around Christmas this year with the NFL playing both of their games on Christmas Eve and the slate they have on Christmas Day for a college bowl game, which is an early going, you know, to to watch the the Gasparilla Bowl between Fresno and and Wyoming. Like, there's just no point, right? Like, there's absolutely no point. Um, for college bowl games to be on a Christmas Day against the NBA and the NFL. So also something worthwhile watching. We're way down the road from that, but still, I just thought it was interesting to note. All right, coming up next, uh, Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News and the Locked On Network is going to join us. We'll look down the slate at week one in the NFL uh, and some early lines and some advantages we could take here, even though it is May, always the best time. To talk NFL. That's coming up next. I'm Mark Zinno. Give me a follow on Twitter. At Mark Zinno. M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. You have been watching and listening to. v here on Point Spread Sunday. The Sports Betting Network.
3: Point spread Sunday on VSN, the sports betting network.
4: Winning never looked better make free hoops, and soccer picks for a shot at a sweet payday with the H&M Wear That Feeling Prediction Series. Enter three pools and compete for your share of $15,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash HM now to get in on the action. H&M, to make everyone look and feel good. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back into Point Spread Sunday here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Mark Zinno. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Appreciate you starting your Sunday morning with us. Lombardi line coming up here in about 30 minutes to get you all the way set up for the Game 7s in the NBA and the NHL right here today on this Sunday. But let's get our attention back to the NFL's Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News and Locked On Network joins us here on Point Spread Sunday. Vinny, good morning and welcome. Thank you for joining me.
5: Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
4: All right, we get the week one NFL schedule here in the opening game between the Bills and the Rams where uh, the Rams laying a point in a total of 52 and a half. You know, um, you're getting a great matchup here. And usually these, uh, you know, openers where the Super Bowl banner is raised and the crowd is all pumped up and everything heavily favor the team that is there to win it. But they're not exactly getting a cake, uh, cupcake opponent here in the Buffalo Bills. So uh, I know it's May, but let's handicap this Week One matchup.
5: Yeah, it's very interesting for sure because you have the reigning champions and now the consensus favorite, the Bills, here for taking that crown away from them. So it's definitely a statement game potentially for both teams. The teams have rough schedules going forward, especially the Rams when you look at the strength of schedule. For the entire season, they have it the toughest in the NFL, so it means a lot more for the Rams, but I think the Bills are in a good spot there to be able to prepare for that one well. There you get the Von Miller switching sides there to help their defense. Uh, the Bills were very good in most spots on the road last year, except for Jacksonville, but otherwise, they were pretty good in uh, getting their wins, so um, I, I like the Bills in that one early. I'm just then who's the better team right now? Who's the team that got a little bit better in the offseason, who's got a little bit weaker? I think the Bills going in there. And, you know, the Bills fans are going to be rather full force for that game.
4: Yeah, I'd say the least. And uh, uh, the total of 52-and-a-half, interesting. I mean, we know these two offenses certainly can score, uh, although the Rams have changed their offense a little bit. You know, Robert Woods is gone. Odell Beckham Jr. is gone. So, Things have gone a little bit of a different direction, and typically, offense is behind defense when it comes to the early season. But uh, no reason to believe that these two teams can't score.
5: Yeah, I think they can light it up certainly that game. But you look at the Bills; they should have Tredavious White back at corner, which is going to help a lot in that game. And then you'll have Von Miller helping that pass rush. On the other side, we know Aaron Donald and that front, and the Bills. Uh, Pretty solid in the offensive line, but they have some changes up there as well. The Rams definitely do with Andrew Whitworth leaving. So maybe some defense and the pressure on the quarterbacks will kind of counteract a little bit. So early lean, I would say, is the under for me in that
4: game. And when you look at the rest of week one, I feel like you got a lot of chalky uh, road favorites here. You see the Saints laying three and a half at the Falcons. Eagles laying three and a half at the Lions. uh, Chiefs laying three at the Cardinals. You know, a lot of numbers that just sort of feel um, – I don't want to say that I, like, trap spreads, but, you know, it's just one of those deals where it's it's almost too easy to take the dog in that spot if you're just being astute enough to know that uh, um, that's too easy of a number to lay and too short of a number to lay uh, with, with week one throwing so many variables at you.
5: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that's the thing is we still need to get a better read on these teams. We have a long way to go. You know, they're all – Lined up here. There's big changes in Atlanta at quarterback. As we know New Orleans is shaking things up uh, with their wide receiver core. So these offenses are in transition a little bit. So that's a game right now. I think it's to a toss up to me. And I I'd lean Saints in that one slightly because of just being a little bit more confident in their defense and a little bit more stability on that team by uh, transitioning to Dennis Allen. So uh, look at the other games. We, the Lions, our team in general, I like. To exceed expectations this year and I think that includes their win total and it's a game like that where they have an opportunity against the Eagles. The Eagles have a lot of things going for them as well with their defense and everything but you look at Detroit, I think they're going to be pumped for some of the changes there to help with that defense and I think they are an underrated offense right now. They have a very good offensive line. They've got all the weapons now in place with Jamison Williams adding to the mix. So Right now, I mean, I feel in those games, I would say I feel best about the Saints and Lions. Uh,
4: Let's look at another team that has uh, expectations in the uh, Los Angeles Chargers now. Uh, They're laying four points at home against the Raiders, a team that continues to be disrespected all across the country and by sportsbooks. But that said, uh, you know, the Chargers sort of came back a little bit after Justin Herbert's rookie year, but they've added more pieces. They've certainly stocked up their roster. They play in the toughest division of football. So what does that equate for them? Not only in week one against the Raiders, but the entire season, in your opinion?
5: Yeah, I do like the Chargers quite a bit this this season in general. I think they've learned some lessons from last year. And one of the lessons was the way they handled the Raiders game there in week 18 and didn't get in the playoffs. So, now you look at it, I mean, J.C. Jackson's going to be in there. and You know, he's going to be a difference maker on the back end. You get also Khalil Mack. So, this defense should be rather intimidating and daunting here. The Raiders, again, I don't know what exactly they're going to look like with Josh McDaniels. I think their backfield is a bit in flux at this point as they're not committed to Josh Jacobs. So, there's a lot of things going on here with big changes, but... The Chargers are a little bit stable to me, and I also think Week 18 is going to be fresh in their mind. They're going to come out there and that really fly out of there and they'll play well. So I really like the Chargers early, and I think they'll keep up that momentum and maybe challenge the Chiefs a little bit. I, uh, eventually, I think Kansas City wins that division, but LA, I think, is the second-best team.
4: You get the Sunday night game between the uh, Buccaneers and the Cowboys. Uh, the number is odd to me. I-, I would have thought it would have been bigger. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit of value on the Buccaneers. At least would have been over on three and a half on the other side. Uh, you know, given it's Tom Brady and everything else, but uh, you know, something tells me here that the Cowboys are the right side of this thing actually to win this game outright. You know, the Buccaneers trying to run it back again. Uh, for the second consecutive year or third consecutive year now. Uh, some of the pieces have still changed, but not many major components from that Super Bowl team um, are, are, are that varyingly different. So do the Buccaneers have a little bit of regression?
5: I think there is going to be a bit of that for the Buccaneers. Their schedule is also extremely difficult, starting with that game and this going through uh, some of the other first-place teams they're going to have to play. So it, it, it's, it's going to set a tone early with those two teams, but I think Dallas is kind of found its identity now offensively as well. I think you look at some of the things they've done, moving on from Mari Cooper, I think they wanted to restore that running game strength. They did lose some on the offensive line, but I think they'll turn around, and I think with the different, very personnel looks, they're going to be a tougher offense to defend here with Dak Prescott. So, I do like the Cowboys in that one early. That's just my gut on that one, the way uh, the offseason has gone so far, and I it's a lot to play out there, but definitely, I think the Cowboys' offense is a little bit better shaped than the Bucks' offense.
4: And then finally, uh, the 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 Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson. Uh, expectations for them. I know you say you think the Chiefs win the division, but are they the number two contender in
5: that division? I still have to see a lot more of the transition that's going on here. I need to see what their offense looks like with Russell Wilson and. Uh, this Jerry Judy news and the things that are going on with him doesn't really inspire that everything's going to come together quickly for this offense. With, and you have to also think about it's a transition for everyone with the coaching staff being changed. So there's a lot there, but it's Seattle. I think Seattle has a lot of work to do with Drew Locke. It's a revenge game for Drew Locke as well as for Russell Wilson. But I think Wilson goes in there. That's a good, comfortable environment for him to start the season. Broncos at least can live up to expectations there. I think Seattle still has a lot of defensive holes, and there's a lot of offensive variables, starting with Drew Locke and who's going to run the ball there.
4: In or out on the Colts as a legitimate Super Bowl contender?
5: I don't think they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender, but I think they're definitely a good threat to win the AFC South, which I don't think is going to be very strong as we've seen in recent years here. So i I do think they can win the division. I think they're to me, I think they're about a ten win team. I'll say that that might be enough to do that, but I'm not buying it. I don't think Matt Ryan has enough there. They, they can only go so far with their money game of defense this year, so I think they'll be better. They'll not fail in making their playoff quest happen, much like the Chargers. but beyond that, I would say the Chargers have a much better shot to make a run of the cool.
4: He's Vinny Eiler. Appreciate the time this morning. Uh, enjoy the offseason, and we'll talk to you again as we get closer to football season. Thank you. All
5: right. Thank you, guys. Have a good one.
4: All right. Again, Vinny Eiler of the Sporting News and Locked On Network. Uh, coming up next, final segment of the show as we do every edition of Point Spread Sunday. I'll run down my entire slate of picks for the day, so get your pens and paper out. Get ready. Everything you need to know coming up next right here on Vison. It is Point Spread Sunday. It's Visa, the sports betting network.
3: This is Point Spread Sunday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: The Easton Spring Special is here for only $59. You get everything VSIN has to offer from now through the end of July. Next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Tobel will have the best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continued best bets and premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily Best Bets email, every edition of Points Fed Weekly, and use of our betting tools in a live video stream whenever, wherever you want. The cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at slash spring. Welcome back in point spread Sunday here. Final segment of the show Lombardi line coming up next with Patrick Maher and Mike Lombardi at 10 a.m. Eastern 7 a.m. Pacific. Appreciate you guys starting your Sunday morning with us and we'll end the show as we always do each and every week uh, with my full rundown of picks for the the day. And we'll start in the NBA as we have two game sevens to get to. We'll start with Milwaukee and Boston here uh, as the Bucs are getting five points here. Look, Boston has lost game one and game five on their home floor. So it's not another round possibility that the Bucs can win this game outright. The Bucs have the best net rating in the playoffs this year at 13.8. I think they're going to cover the game. I feel very confident that they're going to cover the game. I just don't know if they're going to win the game. Giannis continues to be in beast mode. He has 44 and 20 in game six. They're not supposed to lose. The Bucs aren't supposed to lose games where Giannis is 44 and 20. They did because Jason Tatum had 46 points and made seven threes. In game six as well. So if we assume those two are going to go punch for punch, it really boils down to secondary scoring. I know the Bucks are without Chris Middleton, but still, you know, this is a spot where uh, somebody will have to step up and and the Bucks have the championship pedigree. They've been through these spots before they won game sevens on the road last year. So they're not immune or are unfamiliar with this moment. Um, and, and And, you know, listen, I don't think it's a terrible play to back them on the money line, but I'll take the points here with the Bucks plus five. Also like the under 207, we've seen the under come in more than not in this series. Why? Well, these are two really good defenses, but game sevens typically are going to be tighter. They're going to be slower paced. Teams are going to be more cautious with the basketball. There's not going to be a lot of quick shots. They'll get in a half-court set. They'll look for high-percentage plays, high-percentage shots that will net them buckets because – um, no team is wanting to make a major mistake and put themselves in a hole that they may, may not be able to get out of. So I think that this pace will be slower. I think the under 207 comes in. Probably one of these teams may be kept below 100 in this game. Uh, that shouldn't surprise anybody if it happens. But still, um, this is a total that I could stay under with is two of these defenses. Both of these defenses have been really good. Boston all season long and Milwaukee in the postseason. So uh, Bucks and the under 207. The other game of the day between the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks, as I said earlier, it's a tale of two cities between these two teams, pun intended, I guess. But each team has won every game on their home floor. Now, Phoenix has been vastly different at home than they are on the road. The numbers back that up. They're shooting 54% from the field and 43% from beyond the arc in the games at home. When they are on the road, they're just 42% from the field and 39% from three. So the difference there is massive. Um, They've averaged just 93.7 points on the road in Dallas, but they scored at least 110 in each of their games at home. So for that reason, one of my favorite plays of the day here is to take the team total over for the Phoenix Suns. And I shopped around again this morning. It's, it's at 105.5, 106. Uh, I think they go over that total. Um, I, they have just been better at home. Every reason I believe that they will be. Uh, I'm not sure if they're going to cover the six and a half points, so I don't really have a feel on the side per se. But the play for me is Phoenix over uh, 105 and a half, 106. Again, depending on where you shop around, you may be able to find some different numbers. That said, uh, they should be able to hit that number at home. It feels like it's a lot for them to cover. Uh, this six and a half, but the games just sort of went this way. You know, one team has had a big lead in the third quarter, and it it feels like the team that was trailing just sort of took their foot off the gas. No one's going to take their foot off the gas in this game, which is why, as I said earlier, I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, I'm going to back the over again. The last four games in this series have gone under, and this total has come down six points from the game six total at 211. It is at 205, which is insanely low. For a Phoenix Suns game now Dallas it's not a, against them to see a 205 total but not when they play one of the better offensive scoring teams with Chris Paul DeAndre Ayton uh, Devin Booker and a whole bunch of offense on the other side of the floor. So the first two games of this series went over the next four went under. I just can't – it's over a pass for me. There's no way I'm going to play the under at 205 in this. I'm just not comfortable doing it. You might be able to, uh, especially with Phoenix shooting the way they have been at home. Uh, if I'm backing their team total over, I don't think Dallas all of a sudden is going to be kept below 100 points. But that's the way I think this goes under. If it's a lopsided game and a one-sided blowout, then it probably stays under the, the total because the other team doesn't do their part. But I just don't see that – no one's letting their foot off the gas in this game, right? No matter how much somebody is down, the other team that's down going – and they continue to try to press and score and score and score to get back into it because it's a game seven. So I think that pushes the total over, um, over two Oh five is the play for me. Let's get to major league baseball here. A couple of plays for me, uh, strikeout props, two of them, Yankees and white Sox. Nestor Cortez over five and a half getting plus money at plus one Oh two. Um, Nesta Cortez hasn't given up more than two runs in any start this year means he's going to be in the game long against a low scoring White Sox team that doesn't put up a lot of runs that gives him more opportunity the longer he stays in the game. He's gone over this number uh, in three of his five starts this year. Nesta Cortez has uh, and although the White Sox have the lowest K rate in baseball, they are averaging over eight Ks per game in this series. I get a high strikeout pitcher in Nesta Cortez. So I'll back his over when I'm getting plus money at five and a half Cleveland and Minnesota. Another K-prop here for me, uh, as Tristan McKenzie is on the mound for the Guardians. He's over five and a half, a very respectable minus 104. Minnesota averages over nine strikeouts a game at home this year. That's the third worst record for a home team in Major League Baseball. Third worst K-rate for a home team in Major League Baseball. They've averaged 10 Ks a game over their last three games. Now McKenzie has gone over five and a half. In four of his five starts, the only one he didn't go over that number was against the White Sox, as I just mentioned, to have the lowest K rate in Major League Baseball. So McKenzie here on the road against a Minnesota team that strikes out a lot at home. Give me over five and a half minus one Kansas City and Colorado, uh, we're going to play the under the first inning prop of a, of a half run. It's plus 124. Austin Gomber starts for Colorado. And again, as I said earlier, this game is a pure gamble. Gomber's going to get through the first inning unscathed. Kansas City is one of the lowest scoring first inning teams in Major League Baseball as far as percentage that they hit and actually score a run in the first inning. They're bottom five in the league in that number. So that said, I have to worry about Daniel Lynch getting through the first inning here against a Colorado team that scored 20 runs. In the last two games in this series, Uh, I get plus money. I get heavy plus money because of Coors Field. Uh, A small gamble here, a small uh, half-unit play on this just because Daniel Lynch has been touched up in each of his last two starts, and he is a pure gamble in this spot. But with 20 runs being scored, I'm hoping for a little baseball regression and bats go silent, at least in the first inning here, when I get plus money. By the way, Colorado scores less in the first inning at home than they do on the road, which is really, really odd, to say the least. NHL game sevens, uh, I preface this by saying no official play. These are just leans for me when it comes to Pittsburgh and the Rangers. Pittsburgh, plus one and a half goals. It's a hefty juice, though, at minus plus two uh, minus 210, rather. Uh, I just, you know, it, I don't endorse ever paying two to one on the juice, but I don't think that's the wrong side. Over, under six and a half, the over is plus 100. Again, game sevens typically are going to be slower paced. It's going to be tighter. So that's why the under is juiced for a game, for a series that's gone over this this total every game in the series so uh it's a correlating bet situation for me pittsburgh in the over rangers in the under the rangers are much better when they're more defensive Uh, i certainly think that if they're going to give up a ton of goals pittsburgh's going to be on the right side of it that's why uh, i like them plus one and a half Uh, I, i just don't see um this game being low scoring given the way it's gone throughout this series but that said, it certainly favors the Rangers if it is. Plus, I like the first period uh, over under uh, one and a half. The the under is plus 108. So uh, if goals are going to come, they're going to come early. I don't think they'll come late. Um, but I do like the under there uh, as well. Dallas and Calgary. <laughs> what a low-scoring series. This has been much to many surprise. Uh, under five is at minus 114. Four of the six have gone under. The first period under one and a half goals is juiced heavily to the under at minus 134. You're kind of passing a threshold where I start to get comfortable laying that kind of juice, $1.30. So, you know, may stay away from there. Again, no official plays for me on these things that I'm just leaning towards and looking at. We'll see how the numbers go and what the numbers look like as we get closer to game time. That'll do it for me here on Point Spread Sunday. Appreciate you guys joining me. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Coming up next, you're going to get the Lombardi line, Patrick Maher Mike Lombardi. Stay tuned to VEASAN all day long, an exciting day in sports, four game sevens to get to. We appreciate you watching and listening to VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.
0: WORK.